Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. Blessings. It's good to be here. We had a great week uh, with our School of the Prophets, and please pray for the prophets because they need it. Um, There's definitely a lot going on in this season, you know, so. Uh, Would you stand with me just for a minute and just uh, as I um, try and recover from the worship? (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't recover from the worship. Maybe we should just... All right, so Father, we just bless your name today. We bless your name. And Jesus, we we continue declaring that you are worthy of all glory, all honor, and all power, that it belongs to you, that there is no one like you, Jesus. There is simply no one like you. There was none who was worthy. They searched everywhere they searched, in the heavens and the earth and under the earth, and there was none that was worthy. And then the lion the lion appeared as a lamb freshly slain. And Jesus just Just help us this morning, help us to keep you the focus. And I do pray that we would break through. Amen. Thank you. So with all the different revivals, there's something that I get a little bit troubled with. And I'm a, you know, I'm a revivalist. I I, I get troubled that we will stand in the greatest outpouring that the world has ever known. And whether we we have some weird notion of humility or hunger, we're going to say this isn't it. I I don't know if you know this, but but God is really interested in the nations. That might surprise you. That he's really interested in the nations. And it's not just the United States of America, our chosen country, the land that we love. It's not just the United States that's had a tumultuous year. It's happening in nations all over the world. Um, we're, we're even, you know, there's in Myanmar, there's a, the, the military have just overthrown the government. And all the Christians are, are panicking, they're terrified. And, you know, this has happened. God has, God has a real heart for nations. And we're standing globally in, in a move of God right now in the middle of it. We're right in the middle in space and time of the biggest revival that has ever happened on the earth. It is is simply, people are coming to Jesus by the millions. The millions. Like every month. And and I'm afraid because we have some notion of, of, some weird notion of humility will you know, well, this isn't it. There must, you know, it's not just us, or we can't call the, or hunger, we're saying, no, we, this isn't it. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but 
if, if I'd have been in a, in a meeting where that kind of worship, ha worship happened like 30, 40 years ago, we would have gone to nightly meetings and, because we thought revival had just poured, been poured out. You know, when you, get, when you get that sort of sense of like, I don't know what to do, I don't know whether to interrupt it or not, I feel I might mess up something holy. Like, what am I going to do? But we've invited Ian and Rachel in, and they need to speak, and we're going to have to move. Like, when you're in that sort of tension, you know you're in the middle of something precious. And, and what we risk is that we dismiss what's going on at the minute because we're waiting on the big one coming. Scripture is really clear that we don't despise the day of small things. I actually feel there's coming a point in, in the life of Grace Christian Church when you're going to have to make a decision and say, actually, this is it. This is it. And we, we need to call people into this is it. Like you're going to have to go, you're going to have to start saying, you're going to have to start saying, we are in the middle of what we've prayed for and what our, what our fathers prayed for, what our mothers prayed for. We're actually in the middle of the glory. And then the glory came. My fear is that, is that churches all over will, and us as individuals, will, will, we will feel to steward what God has given us. You, God, you know God has always answered your prayers. <laughs> Otherwise, we, we'd be very disappointed and would have to pray. Like, we're kind of in this weird thing that we're contending for something in prayer, and um, we think we're more compassionate than God is. God, if you could only, like, you know, move in compassion, show your com God is way more gracious and compassionate than we are. You know, that, you know those of you that are praying for your children, you know God cares more for your children than you do. Like, he loves your children way more than you do, and you think you love them to bits, but he loves them way more, right? So much so that he gave his only son. Right? That's the kind of love that he has. So I'm not saying you should stop praying for your children, but I want you to realize that God actually is in the business of answering prayers. Right? When we get our, when we get our mindset around it, we get our, our attitude of thankfulness, and we're not coming from a place of fear, when we're praying from a place of gratitude and thankfulness, and God answers our prayer. The thing about it is it doesn't look like what we wanted. So, so God always gives you the answer to your prayer in the form of a seed. So you pray for an oak tree and he gives you an acorn. You're like, well, this is no good. <laughs> I prayed for an oak tree. He's given me an acorn. I don't know what to do with this. And you understand that in the, in the acorn, there is an oak tree. Like everything you have prayed for is in the acorn. Everything except for three things. Time, nourishment, and nurture. So when God, when you're praying for the million dollars, and God gives you the 20 bucks, 
He is way more interested in what you do, how you steward that 20 bucks, right? You see, you see, a poverty mindset, a poverty mindset disqualifies the seed of something that is very precious to God and that God has given. It disqualifies it, and it's in the disqualification of it that you abort the promise. When you start to call to something that God has given you nothing and worthless, he goes, well, why would I give you any more? Like, we're looking for the breakthrough. And God said, I want you to take a step. I call that your breakthrough. How, how, because I realize that's a very Irish way to say it, how, how, How we care for the seed will determine if we're given more. Ta-da. But we're still going, but I asked for an oak tree. Oak tree up here in Jesus. Like we're still going after the oak tree. And God's saying, I can't answer a prayer I've already answered. Like we're, pray- we're praying for healing and we don't see everybody healed but we're praying for something that Jesus already bought. Like, you, listen, you can't unbuy something. Jesus has already bought it, and we're walking around praying as if there's some, if we just muster up some kind of more compassion than Jesus has, then we'll see more people healed. We're not more compassionate. He's, he's either given us it or he hasn't given us it. And we have to work out what our problem is. Because you understand when we don't see healing, the problem is never on his end. There was a, a guy that, that you know, started a movement and he's, he's, he's one of my heroes. And he... Uh, you know, he's prays, decides, you know, he hears the Lord and he's going after healing, 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 healing. And he prays for 1,000 people and sees nothing. Like no headache gone, no, not, you know, no legs growing, not, none of all that stuff, nothing. And he's like, God, what's going on? And he heard the voice of the Lord say, John, the problem's not in my end. Because that then causes us to own something and take responsibility and not just be passive in all of this. See, the, 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 the kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, right? Right? The first is last, the last is first, all that kind of stuff. It's an upside-down kingdom. You know, in this world, in our education system, you have to, um, you know, you, you have to, like, believe that you're something, okay? You know, like, I, I, I believe that I'm a doctor. I believe I want to be a doctor, right? I believe I want to be a doctor, and then you sort of, like, get your education, and you, you behave like a doctor, and, you know, I don't know how doctors behave, but you start behaving like a doctor, and, and finally, at the end of it, you become a doctor, right? Now, that's a good system. It's just not the kingdom system. The kingdom system says... Uh, my name is the father of many nations. Oh, really? How many nations do you have? None. Well, how many children do you have? 
Yeah, we can't have kids. And you're the father of many nations? Yep. Awesome, Abraham. Like, can you imagine that? Hey, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. Oh, that's kind of awkward, Yahweh. You know, they had that sort of relationship. Like, it's one of those bizarre things, you know. There's a lot of bizarre things in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. Like, they're bizarre to our Western minds. But, but Yahweh himself comes and has and eats food with Abraham, with another angel. He, he is personified in a human body, and he comes and eats food. Wow. Yeah, you didn't read that, you? You've never read that. Anyway, the way it is in the kingdom is that you have to do it the complete opposite. You become it long before you believe it. Jeremiah, before you were formed, I knew you and I called you to be a prophet to the nations. When did Jeremiah become a prophet to the nations? In his mother's womb, right? Like he, he was it long before he even knew he was it. Like even when God came to him and said, Jeremiah, I have called to be the prophet. And he's like, no, not me. He didn't believe it, but he had become it. And, and it is this notion that we have to become something and then we behave like it. And it feels completely fake. It feels like you're just faking it till you make it. That's not what you're doing. This is a kingdom principle. The only way you're going to believe that you are this, the only way you're going to believe that you are God's, I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to say this uh, disrespectfully. The, the, only way that you be, the only way that you're going to believe that you are a, an epicenter of revival for this region is that if you first become it, that's generally through prophecy. That's generally through hearing the word of the Lord. That's generally from that. And then you behave like it. So there's a time when you're going to have to make a decision. This is who we are. And we're going to start aligning and behaving everything like, like this is who we are. And then you'll believe it. And then the glory can. See, we're always waiting on God, and God's like, um, I'm waiting on you. Like, I'm actually waiting on you. What, was Jesus not enough? Is the gift of the Holy Spirit not enough? What, what else are you looking for? Well, I'm looking, I, I need a million bucks. Okay, but I'll give you 20. Can you do something with the 20? The 100? The 500, can you do something with that that's going to take you into this place of behavior? Like, can you behave like it now? A guy I know got, was starting his ministry, and, you know, he took, they took an offering for him, and he said glibly, hey, just remember, million has two L's. Got, got the check, got the, and there's the check for a million dollars. Calls the guy. That's funny. <laughs> he says, no, no, it's real. I got to thinking, it'd be great to give away a million bucks. Wouldn't that be fun? Like, so we have it, we actually have it in part of our dream list. We dream of being able to give away a million bucks. And then the Lord says, how much do you need in your bank account to give away a million bucks? Do you need a million and one dollar? Oh, really? Yeah, okay. 
Like, can you, can you actually use what you've been given for the purpose? That's the, for the purpose that God has intended. That's the definition of stewardship. Stewardship is not saving for a rainy day. I'm sorry. I am not declaring any rainy days in my life at all. I'm, I'm declaring days of blessing and increase and all that. <clears throat> so, so we, we, you have been given, you're, you're, you've been given a seed. You've been given an acorn for every, every prayer that you've prayed. Our job is to find out what that seed is. What is the seed? That's our work in this. We need to discover what this seed is. God, you've called me to, pro- you've called me to preach to thousands. Okay, can you do it to your teddy bears? Like, will you do it to your teddy bears? Will you just go and practice on your teddy bears? Because honestly, they won't give you any bad feedback. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> and then can you do it with like 10 friends? Can you do it with 20 friends? Can you do it with, can you start asking, hey, can I come and do this? Will you steward what you've been given? I'm called to preach to millions and nobody's opened the door for me. Please, for the love of everything holy, stop waiting on open doors like that. Start stewarding what we've been given. I have been given something very precious. We're we're waiting on the platforms. We're waiting on the million dollar check when God has sent I have given you everything you need for where you are right now. And as you grow, I'm going to keep pouring India, pouring India, pouring India, giving you favor, allowing you increase every single step of the way. In Luke 19, let's read the Bible because then I believe it becomes a legitimate meeting. When you're reading from the Bible, Luke 19 and it's verse 11. Now, while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near Jerusalem. Very important. Jesus' entire life and ministry had led up to a couple of crucial events where he starts to declare that, uh, devil, I'm coming for you. Right? The gates of hell, he says, you know, hey, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? And he declares in the gates of hell, the gates of hell is a real place, Right? It's, not, it's a real place that he took them to. And he declares to, to the devil and all his cohorts, all the powers of darkness, hey, I'm about to build my church, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. That's the Ian Carroll version. Right? ICV. It's available. No, it's not available. Right? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. And he, the fact that he's calling them the gates of hell, it's, it's actually what the place was called. The gates of hell is really important because gates are not an offensive structure. They're a defensive structure. That means Jesus immediately is saying, I am now on the offense, right? He then goes to Mount Hermon and he has this encounter with the law and the prophets, with Elijah and Moses, wants to build, you know, Peter, James, and John are terrified. (laughs) This is awesome. This is awesome, but not really. Um, are we supposed to be talking to dead people? I don't know. I don't know. It says somewhere we're not supposed to be talking to dead people. Jesus, you're talking to dead people. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know what was going on in their minds, but certainly it was going to be something along those. And then they hear, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What God is doing at that time is he's actually restoring relationship, identity, and honor. We're in that season, people. This is my beloved Right? This is a relationship. This is my beloved son. It's the identity piece, you know? It's like we're, we're, we're children of the Most High God. 
right? I'm an imager of Yahweh. That's amazing, right? And then in whom I'm well pleased is, is honor. It's calling people what they are, not what they're not. So this is all happening, and it's undoing a bunch of stuff, but he's putting, you know, Satan on notice. He's, you know, I love the piece where, where Jesus is walking on water. Do you ever wonder why that's in the Bible? You're familiar with that? Right. Why is it in the Bible? Because it's a good story? Um, I don't think so. I, don't, I actually don't think that it's just like, you know, I mean, it's intentionally there. Right, God has intentionally put that story there. Uh, so the disciples are on a boat, and I think I've said it before, but you should never go on a boat with Jesus. <laughs> hey, Ian, let's go on a boat. Oh, no. I'm going to drive. Getting in a boat with you. No, 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 no. All was a storm. Not going to happen. And within the culture at the time that they believed that the chaos, that, that the, this chaos uh, that happened because of the underworld and Satan's realm and all that kind of stuff uh, was belonged to the sea and the storms and the sea were all caused by the devil himself. And you have this picture of Jesus walking on the territory of the devil himself saying, you're under my feet. Yeah. Right? That's why it's there. It's there because everybody, everybody in that time period who would have read it would realize he is actually taking territory. He is not afraid of the underworld. He's not afraid of the devil and all his cohorts. In fact, he's actually owning it. I mean, I, I imagine that what Jesus... I, mean, I, I imagine. I can't say that this is true because it's not in the Bible. But I kind of think he was walking with a bit of a swagger. <laughs> like, I do. I kind of like the thought of that. I like the thought that... It, that you know, there was a little bit of a John Wayne thing going on with him. You know, I, I don't know. But that he was owning. Like you see it all throughout Scripture. You know, wherever your feet, wherever you set your feet, I will give you that territory. So this is, the, the, the people at the time are familiar with that. They're familiar with that Scripture and they go and they see Jesus walking on the feet of the enemy's territory. And they're like, yes. Yes. So, all of that to say, that's all leading up. Once he come off Mount Hermon, he's headed to Jerusalem. And everybody knew that when he's going to Jerusalem, things are going to happen. So the disciples believed, said because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Right? That's what we think. We think that the, that the oak tree is going to appear immediately. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the suddenly. When, when Jesus actually responds to their thinking by telling them a parable. And you know what the parable is? It's the parable of the, the minas. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called 10 of his own slaves and gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this money until I come back. We're expecting to suddenly... And Jesus is saying, I want to see what you do with the acorn. Right? We're expecting to go into the entire land that God has promised. And God's saying, I'm actually not giving you all at once because it will destroy you. If I give you this all at once, it's going to destroy you. I need to know, will you steward the 10, the 50, the 100, 
the thousand. Are you going to steward that before I give you the million? Conscious of time. John 16, 12. John 16, 12 says this, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them at this present time. Now, he's saying there, I have many things to say to you, but I believe he wants to give you more, but you couldn't bear it. It would crush you and kill you if you had the weight of everything that God has promised to you in this moment. So what we do is we go to the gym. We take, these, we take these things, these promises of God to the gym, and we build up our resistance, right? We're building up how much weight we can actually carry, the load that we can bear, and we're stewarding. We, we, we want to build capacity, and we build capacity through changing what we believe. We're called in Scripture to think like Christ, do you think, listen, does anybody believe that at any point in the last 12 months, Jesus woke up? I mean, I know he doesn't sleep, but Jesus woke up in a tizzy worrying about the state of the world. We're to think like Christ. We're to think that even, the, listen, for 18 months, I, I, we, we travel a lot, and you, know, you can tell a lot about where the church is by the songs they're singing. Right? So for about 18 months, we were singing a song. Everyone was singing a song, This is How I Fight My Battles. Is anybody familiar with that song? This is how I fight my battles. And then you come into a battle and you realize, oh, maybe that's not how I fight my battles. <laughs> maybe I fight my battles by overeating and uh, getting afraid. Oh, dear, that's not good. Right? And some of us did. We fought our battles. We're like, okay, I'm going to stay Christ-centered. I'm not going to worry about all the chaos around me. I'm going to stay Christ-centered and the hope of his glory. But you know what this song is at the minute? Do you know what this song that we hear everywhere we go? And it was even referenced this morning. Waymaker. Right? Because we're in a season that even though we don't see it, we know that he's working. Like, that's what we're standing on. Even though I'm not seeing the manifestation here, in fact, I can see more darkness here, right? I can see more things here that I don't believe should exist. But even though I see that, I know that he is working. And he's working because he loves the nations, right? He loves the nations. He is passionate for the nations. Like, the problem, I, I don't believe there's this, I don't believe it. I think sometimes we say silly things just for the sake of it. But one of the things I've heard people say is the darkness is getting darker and the light's getting lighter. It's impossible. <laughs> like, si like, it's impossible because the light dispels the darkness. Yeah. But before it dispels the darkness, it shows it up. There is this moment when, when we're standing in the greatest outpouring. Listen, I sat, I sat in our hotel, um, sort of little space they have outside, patio the other night. I could feel the hunger for God in this region. I could feel it. I could sense the ground calling out for the manifestation of sons and daughters. I could sense the, the ground groaning, the prayers of mothers and fathers, the prayers of businessmen, the prayers of people that have been locked up, 
right? I could hear, the, I could sense the hunger. Lord, would you send a people? Like, I, I could sense that, right? And, and here we are in, in this time when the light gets lighter. We're in the greatest move of God ever. And because the light is getting brighter, we're starting to see into corners we haven't seen before. We're starting to see things that were hidden in shadows because the light, you've just turned the light up. And we think, oh my goodness, that wasn't there before. Oh no, no, no. No, it was. You just didn't see it. And God in his goodness is turning the light up at the minute to say, I'm going to need you to deal with that. I'm going to need you to sort that out. And we're not sorting it out with weapons of this world. We're sorting it out with weapons from a different kingdom. And our weapons are love, joy, peace, gentleness. You understand that when you're battling the enemy and you're just patient, he doesn't know what to do with you. It's only when you're running around like, you know, the sky is falling. Ah! Then the enemy's going, I know what to do with that. I know exactly what to do with that. But when you're patient and say, listen, I know he's working. I know it. All right. Let me read the Psalms. It's always good to end in the Psalms. 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 Anyway. So if you look, we, yeah, anyway, I'll not go into it. Um, we, we don't put the S. In the UK, we don't put the S on the end of that. It's just Psalm. Um, and we were, t- we were t- telling a friend, you should just like read, read the Psalms. And they were in First and Second Samuel and wondering how this was going to help them. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't helping me at all. <laughs> Lots of wars and all that. So I'm, I'm going to read Psalms 84, and this is verses 5 to 7, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Uh, And it says, How enriched are they who find their strength in the Lord. Within their hearts are the highways of holiness. All the mystical people are going, oh, that's lovely. All the poets are going, you know, ooh, highways of holiness. Oh, that's lovely. Am I right? Am I right? You're all, yeah, oh, I love that. Even when their paths wind through the dark valley of tears, they dig deep to find a pleasant pool where others only find pain. He gives to them a brook of blessing filled from the rain of an, of a, of an outpouring. And they grow stronger and stronger with every step forward. And the God of all gods will appear before them in Zion. See, God is looking for a people. He is always looking for a person and a people. And he's looking for a people that can stand in the valley of tears. They stand in the valley of tears with hearts that are highways of holiness. And they are able in the valley of tears that they're able to dig deep that we can stand and we dig deep into this place, into this rock that we're standing on, that we have the capacity to dig deep and find a brook 
where others find only pain. Pain. Because I know how that sounds. Right? He's looking for a people that can stand in the, in the tension of knowing this is a hard place. But I can dig deep because underneath me, as my tears fall, they, 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 they combine with a brook that has been fed from the rain of a different outpouring. That there is a rain of another outpouring that happened before, and I'm actually standing in this valley because the rain and the mountains come into the valley. And when there's the rain of another outpouring, that we can stand and actually grow stronger and stronger, knowing that what we've asked for, He has already provided. We can't call our acorns nothing. We can't do that. We can't say this is the, you know, we can't despise the day of small things. We cannot call your something nothing. You can't say, hey, I'm only talking to 12 people when God has called me to the, to the nations to speak to millions. No, you get it. God is looking for people that even though it's painful, that you can dig deep and say, this is what, the, this is what Yahweh has given me today. He is giving me this to steward today. And listen, if you start to recognize what it is He has given you and call it precious in the sight of the Lord, you will receive more. Let's stand. So I want to declare over you right now that it is... You qualify for the suddenly by stewarding the seed. Want me to say that again? You will qualify for the suddenlies because there are suddenlies. There are suddenlies. But you qualify for the suddenlies by stewarding the seed. Not by saying this isn't it. We're waiting for the big one. So God, I just pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that we would rejoice in all that you have already done. That we would rejoice in all the good that you have done in our lives. Lord, there are people here that know that they have been, that their very life has been saved. That their very life has been plucked out of a pit. Lord, your word says that, that it's the biggest sinners that make the biggest lovers. That it's the ones who have been forgiven much that actually love much. My God, there's some of us here that know that that's us. So God, I pray for this region and I pray that this re we would be stewards of what, you're of what you have done and what you're doing in this region. And we pray to be a people, we ask that we are a people that in the midst of heartache, that we can dig deep and find a brook from another outpouring. In Jesus' name.